Welcome to the Extraordinary Games Podcast. And as always, I am your host, Dave Winchester, and my co-host this week will be my good friend, Greg. This week, we're going to be talking about Neo 2 and Final Fantasy Origins, Stranger of Paradise. I was going to do an individual podcast for each game, but since they're so similar and we have very kind of not differing opinions of these games, uh, but we, we definitely had different ideas of what these games were going into this. So based on that, I figured we'd just combine it into one super episode so that way you have something a little bit longer to listen to. Not like our podcasts aren't long enough. Wait until you hear the Skyrim one if you haven't already. Uh, That one's kind of epic and there will be a follow-up to that one. I also want to remind you folks to follow us on your podcast app of choice, subscribe, however it is you want to listen to this. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, iTunes, the whole shebang. I also upload videos of each podcast onto YouTube. So if you go to youtube.com, I think it's at Extraordinary Games now because they changed the way handles work. Either way, the link will be in the description below for that. You can find us there. Make sure you uh, comment on stuff, review stuff. Uh, so if you're on your, your podcast app, I think iTunes does reviews. That helps with the algorithm. So you can give us a review there. Let us know what you think. Or you can go to the YouTube video, comment in the comment section below on that. I read all the comments. So far, there have been zero of them. So it's really easy. But you can comment there. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash games. You can support me there if that's what you're into, but you don't have to. These are going to be free for as far as the eye can see. So don't worry about having to do that. It's just something, you know, if you feel like it, go for it. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I just want to let you guys know what I've been up to. So I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy Origins this week for the podcast and uh, bouncing back and forth between a few Switch games. I also just started Inscription on PC, which a friend had recommended, and I'm really enjoying that. So expect a podcast episode about that in the future. It might just be me doing it because I don't know how many other people have played it. I'm also trying to get someone on for a Dead Space podcast. Our schedules just haven't lined up for it yet. And I'm going to be starting uh, Destroy All Humans, which is a weird game, the the remake. So I decided to play that just for something a little more fun and as a little bit of a palate cleanser. And I'm replaying through Silent Hill 2 using the PC modded version, which, which pretty much enhances the resolution and does some crazy crazy stuff like that but i'm really enjoying my time playing games recently and uh, enjoying the games i'm playing which is kind of a change of pace sometimes i I slog through some of these like i still haven't beaten cyberpunk because as fun as the game is it kind of drones on for a little bit too long but the games i'm currently playing i'm really enthusiastic about i'm also playing a couple retro games i just finished Mega Man x for a podcast so hopefully that episode is coming up soon just got to find time to record it so you can expect that as well and um, i'm trying to get things together for the fantasy star online episode or episodes i haven't figured out if it's going to be a multi-part one or if it's just going to be one giant like kind of round table discussion about fantasy star online but definitely expect some some crazy stuff coming in the next month or two And that's all I got to really uh, update you on. So without further ado, we're going to put on some music from Neo 2 or Stranger of Paradise, whichever one I find better, and get into the podcast. Enjoy. Enjoy. 
hold on to the sanity But there's a rage burning slowly deep inside of me I'm being swallowed by confusion Lost between the truth and my insatiable delusion It's just my pride, or is it just a bunch of lies? I don't care, but I just gotta find myself So, welcome to the podcast, everyone uh, I got my buddy Greg who is now, I, I think I could consider you a regular on the podcast now because this is what your, is this your third or fourth one? This is your third one, right? Yeah, this would count three because it was Darkness, then we Skyrim with Logan, and now this. Yeah, so you're, you're a regular. You're like a, you're like a veteran. You've done almost as many as I have by now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, man. I'm, I'm happy to have a platform to give my opinions on games, which may or may not be shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I had a, so we're recording this like super late at night too. I had, I've already worked eight hours on top of like hanging out with my son all morning. And then I had a fun drive home in Silent Hill like weather, which was super great. Uh, oh. but, yeah, it was, it was super foggy, but I am super excited to talk about Stranger of Paradise. Now this is going to be a weird podcast because for those of you that look at the title, it's actually going to be like a dual one because Greg wanted to talk about Neo 2, and I have been clocking in many hours into Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origins, and uh, they're both made by the same the same developer, which is Team Ninja, and I figured it'd be a, a cool thing to do kind of like a, a dual review-ish type thing to compare the two games. Now, I've played Neo 2. I actually I beat Neo 1, and I've played Neo 2. Um, but I haven't played it recently and I didn't get super far into it. I think I've probably clocked in like 10 or 12 hours and then like just quit. So it's going to be interesting to, to see what you want to say about Neo 2, because my opinions are going to be a little bit critical of it and have, uh, you played stranger of paradise at all? Or have you just seen like the videos? Uh, so I guess quick thing about stranger of paradise, how I felt, um, when they first revealed it, I was just kind of like, all right, like kind of crowd goes mild a bit. Like, you know, laugh at the whole, we got to kill chaos. Like, you know, that shit was funny, <laughs> but it wasn't until what was it? That second trailer or that first bit of like the actual game footage came out where there's the fucking clip of, I think it was from maybe the first demo when it's fucking Jack and he's getting, you know, expositioned about the plot and the setting and he just goes bullshit and fucking <laughs> throws on his bootleg ass limp biscuit turns on his ipod and walks away i'm like holy shit this is incredible like i i now understand what they're going for at, with this game at least aesthetically and i'm so here for it like this is campy it's stupid it's an absurd take on Final Fantasy, like the original. Uh, and then I found out how the actual plot of the game goes, because this really wasn't on my big list of games I want to get ASAP. Mm. So I spoiled myself on the plot of the game, at you, least, because if I was going to get it, I'm getting it for the gameplay, not for the story. Honestly, then, you probably know more about the plot than I do, and I am two missions away from the end of the game. <laughs> I, I okay. actually checked the last time I played it because I was like, I'm about 20 hours in. I'm like, how long does this go? And I did the stupid thing of I was gauging how far I was in the story based on the equipment level I had. So I kept inching closer and closer to equipment level 100. And then it went to 104. And I was like, fuck, 
I don't know how far oh, I, I am away. And then I, I checked, I looked online to see how many of the main missions there were. And I'm on mission 18 currently out of 20. And I so, truly say that I have no fucking idea what this story is about still. And I've been paying right, so, attention. So, I mean, if you don't care for spoilers for the last leg and mainly the ending, um, I'll I'll discuss them and why I think they're really fucking cool when we get to it. Okay. But if you don't want to talk about it because you're so close to the end, totally fine. Um, preemptively, I kind of want to say I feel like we'll definitely do a part two of this for both games. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I think, you know, if you go back play Neo 2, I play Stranger of Paradise, um, and we both just kind of finish up the respective games we're kind of championing right now because despite all the time I put in Neo 2, I haven't finished it yet either. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually really good because I'm intrigued by what you have to say about Neo 2. I, you've probably played more of it than I have because I played quite a few missions of it. My The issue with Neo 2 is it's hard to gauge how far you in the, are in the game because a lot of the time you're spending like a lot of the time in one mission, especially if it's a more difficult mission, and just dying and restarting mm-hmm. and pretty much like rinse and repeating and hoping to God that at some point in time you, you get good enough to beat it. Uh, so I put in a few hours into that game, but it got to the point where I'd hit like a mission that was just too fucking difficult or I would get lost because of the level design of it. And I would just say like, fuck it and step away and then come back like a month later and just like sort of pluck away at it. But I don't even remember how far it was into Neo. I just know I clocked in quite a few hours into it. Okay. Whereas Stranger of yeah, Paradise, I've been I've been fucking grinding. Like I I kind of just want to get to the end of Stranger of Paradise to see what the fuck is actually going on. Um, but uh, give me your impressions on Neo too, because like you you kind of heard what I just said. It's 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 a Souls like ish game, and I enjoyed. I beat Neo one. Like I fucking destroyed Neo one. But Neo 2, for some reason, I just couldn't... It just didn't have me like Neo 1 did, so I didn't put as much time. It was just the level design didn't click with me. Uh, and I have this issue with this game in particular where they give you so many fucking items and you have to just, like... It's way too much inventory management, so that's that's the reason why I gave up on it, ultimately. So, that's a good point uh, to start with because... Well, first things first, before even getting into the nitty-gritty, uh, item management, still one of my least favorite things in Neo 2. Uh, it, and it completely put me off of Neo 1. Um, so kind of how you feel about Neo 2 is how I felt about Neo 1. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> They're uh, essentially the same game. <laughs> so, you know, uh, when I... Neo was... I was still working at GameStop at the time. Fuck. And... One of my one of the guys I was working with, Jared, I believe, uh, he was all hyped up on Neo because he got into Souls games, uh, and he was like, "Oh, dude, like Neo's gonna be sick. It's like Souls, but it's Samurais." And I was intrigued. And then you know, Team Ninja, oh my god, like, give me, you know, how long has it been since they've made a game that wasn't like Dead or Alive? Hey man, I I agree with you, but like Team Ninja has this like little place in my heart because they fucking made Ninja Gaiden Black, well, yeah. which is well, yeah. the no greatest kidding. action game ever made in my opinion. So everything that they make, I'll still play. Yeah, no, it, for real. Like That's why I was so stoked about Neo. And you know, I think I, play, I played the demo in Neo 1, and I had fun with it. Um, 
And that just kind of carried over to how I felt about Neo 1 in its entirety. Uh, I thought it had some great ideas. Uh, like the three different stances essentially giving each weapon category three movesets. Um, I think that's really cool. Especially with how you can... With the right things, you can like very quickly switch between the fighting styles in the middle of combat for... You know, oh, this enemy like maybe low stance with its quick attacks and less key consumption, better. Or, you know, this guy's slow as heck. I can go high stance, get some meaty hits in, keep my distance, go back in and wail on him. You know, I thought stance system, uh, brilliant. I appreciated how they attempted to, instead of it being like Dark Souls, where it's like every weapon and piece of armor you find is unique. But there's very few out there in the game world. I like that they tried to be different with, oh, like a, a Diablo-esque loot system. You know, you kill some enemies, shit explodes out of them, money, materials, gear. Um, then, you know, there's actual gear sets where you get bonuses based on how many pieces you're wearing. And, you know, each set is kind of themed around either the character that wore it or a certain build type that you can do. And I thought all that shit was really cool. Um, the whole Spirit Guardian thing, uh, neat. Didn't really blow my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's how I kind of felt about it. I was like, "This is, this is like the uh, oh shit moment." Like you'll be in a boss battle and you'll you'll be getting your like your your shit kicked in, and you're just like, "Oh fuck!" Like if I pop this, it gives me a little bit of something extra. That's what I always used it for, yeah. at least. Or no, if same. I was like in a in a situation where that was a little bit too hairy with too many enemies, um, it was a good get out of jail free button. Which is something that like Dark Souls does not have, or like any of the other yeah. Souls likes have. So it's nice for newcomers of the game that when they're in that situation, that they have something to to utilize to get out of it. But I, I thought that was probably one of the more unique things about the original Neo, to be honest. No, yeah, exactly. And so, but at the end of the day, I tried playing through Neo One, and it just it didn't grasp me. Um, a lot of it was. You know, other games being out, other hobbies, and just really the fact that a lot of the systems that Neo had that I guess I couldn't really appreciate in the moment of playing the game or learning it, like um, how doing ninjutsu and magic worked, um, or how you can actually like learn special moves and techniques or like combo extensions for all the different weapon types, you know, all of that kind of flew over my head when I was first playing Neo 1. And I feel like if I were to go back and play Neo 1, I would probably be able to appreciate it a bit more now, just from playing Neo 2. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because um, those systems in Neo are in Neo 2. At Neo 1, they were just a little bit less refined, I guess would be the, the best way to put it. But um, yeah. I actually enjoyed a, a lot of the things that Neo 1 did, but... I'll, I'll let you finish because I there's a lot of nitpicks I also had when playing Neo One, but you know ultimately the point I'm trying to make is Neo One it just kind of really fell off my radar and it's not that I thought it was a bad game, it just didn't stick with me. Um, you know the the I appreciated them trying to do more of a direct narrative versus a normal Souls game. Uh, but honestly, not being able to make my own character kind of took me out of it, and William was as interesting as a piece of cardboard. <laughs> I think but, it was because you know, of the story they were trying to tell. They were like they had an idea for where they wanted the story to go, and they could only do that with that specific character. So I think that was the the ultimate reason why they did it. Yeah. But it was really smart in Neo Two to allow you to make your own character. 
And, you know, I, I appreciate it, even though it's, you know, it's Omega Force who either helped develop or publish it. And, you know, they're the, the Warriors, you know, studio. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, Neo is just essentially doing what they do in Samurai Warriors, where we do an over-the-top retelling of, uh, you know, what, Sengaku era Japan, I believe? Yeah. And I almost said Wearing Kingdoms, but that's Dynasty Warriors <laughs> in China. <laughs> but um, so it was basically like, it was another flavor of Samurai Warriors as far as the story goes. Like, hey, it's the this era in, you know, Japan, and everyone's like hot. And or Wicked Manly, or some combination of both, and the character designs are over the top, but instead of it just being these overpowered historical figures murdering scores of soldiers, it's the same thing, but there's spirits and, you know, yokai and all that kind of stuff thrown in. It kind and of uh, I, I, reminded me a little bit of Onimusha. Like, if you, if you like, look yes, at the plot. Yes, yeah, it's, exactly. It's very Onimusha, and, and that's not a bad thing, but... I, no, I I'll, love me some ridiculous historical fiction yeah but i think the the big issue is uh, and it's the kind of the same issue i have with stranger of paradise overall is it like i don't think team ninja knows how to tell a story very well they never have <laughs> so which uh, is in, funny because they pioneered like cutscenes in ninja gaiden on the nes yeah but i mean if you look at <laughs> if you look at ninja gaiden on the xbox even like that that story is so fucking like the original ninja gaiden the story's kind of nonsensical but they oh yeah they, it was told at least well enough where like you could understand the twist that happens at the end and you know, it, it, they they do a decent enough job, but then like the further they go down the line, I feel like like even Ninja Gaiden, especially Ninja Gaiden two and Ninja Gaiden three, they try really hard to tell a story and they fucking fall flat on their face. And I think the same thing kind of goes for for Neo, where it's like they have all these cutscenes and interconnected levels and like all this stuff, and it just for some reason I I played through all of Neo One and I watched every cutscene and I did everything in that game. I c- could not fucking tell you if you paid me a thousand dollars what the fuck <laughs> happened in Neo One. Yeah. No, I, so just gonna wrap things up, try to keep it quick. Um but so you know, even still, despite that, I got amped as fuck for Neo Two, especially like, oh my god, the character creator is phenomenal and I'm easy to win over. You give me a dope as fuck create a character system uh i'm all into your game <laughs> and man something about neo 2 and it took a bit but kind of like how in the skyrim podcast i mentioned when it just sort of all clicks when i had that moment in neo 2 i was like holy shit this is fucking phenomenal like, peel back the layers, try to not look at it as a Souls-like, even though it is. You know, try to not look at it like that, and just try to view it as its own game. It just happens to kind of follow the the rules of a Souls formula. The stamina meter, the die and go back to your last little rest area thing. Because, and I guess how stats work, but even then, it's, I always feel like your gear was more important in Neo than your actual stats. Yeah, the um, gear is a huge factor in Neo, especially with like the um like the set pieces and things like that. It's it's definitely more of something that you have to keep an eye on pretty much all the time. Um and the, when we talk about Stranger of Paradise, the same rules apply there too, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> so let me let me give you my kind of tips that really kind of swayed Neo to 
into this place of probably one of my favorite games to come out in within like the last generation of consoles in all honesty okay so because i was i kind of had a lot of the same feeling you did like oh my god like having to manage all this gear is overwhelming i don't know what to do do i just wear what's got the highest defense should i worry about set bonuses at what point do i let my gears overall stats fall behind so i can wear a dope as hell set like you know all that kind of stuff you know really stressful (laughs) yeah it's just overwhelming. And overwhelming is the is, is the term I would use. If you're looking at the systems of Neo, it's there's so much going on that I'm j- like half the time I'm just like I just want to go and fucking stab some people with a katana. That's all I want. So so what I'm about to tell you these tips, I guess my tips at least. I don't know if they're good tips, but they help me enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Is you know first it was just kind of a matter of figuring out what do I want to do as a character. And I was like, all right, well, I think ninja shit's dope. I want to get into ninjutsus. And I will say this is the one downside to the game. And it's a pretty bad downside in even all the Souls games, too. How you progress and scale power-wise as a character is way too fucking obtuse. And it's not just a problem with Neo 2 or Neo 1 or even Stranger of Paradise, I'm assuming, since it's a similar game by Team Ninja. But it's like that in the Souls games, Elden Ring, you know... What you need to do to grow in power to meet the game's challenges is never explained well enough in any of these yeah. games. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you get a vague idea, but it's it, it's not precise enough for you to have like an ultimate goal in mind as you're playing. Unless you're reading yeah. fucking wikis, you're not going to know what to do. So I event, you know, I did have to do some outside wiki research, um, but surprisingly, a lot of the stuff I had read when I was, you know, kind of just googling random questions like, when do I care about gear? Like, what should I like? How do I treat this? Blah blah. And essentially, everything I had read had all pointed to, dude, if it's you're just you're you booted the game up, you're playing through it for the first time, do not worry. <laughs> just like, don't just, worry just about put, shit. Like, but like, yeah, like like. <laughs> Well, like, well, like, just like you know, just play the game in, but just d- keep it simple, you know. Okay. Like, oh, like, are you want to do ninjutsus? Okay. Well, the game tool tips clearly say like level decks to see because you get more ninjutsu slots, your ninjutsu power increases, and then you know it says that uh, the Kurisami Gama is the you know a weapon that scales high with dexterity. So then the brain goes, okay, so if I you know I can use any melee weapon I want but probably good for me to keep a Kurosawi Gama on hand because that scales with my ninjutsu stat. So you're pretty so, much just like if you're, if you got a level like one thing for your goal, you might as well. Uh, yeah. What, what would just be use the, it as well. Yeah. What would be the term for it? Like synchronize it. Like there's a little bit of synchronicity yeah. that has to go on with the, the items that you're using along with like what you're aiming for, which I guess makes sense. And then, and then obviously, you know, like um, like the basic ass Katana, scale like scales pretty well with like what heart your vitality stat i think yeah i think that one's hard you're gonna be leveling up and you know when you're no matter what build you're doing you're gonna want to level up your you know health somewhat so maybe a sword's a good companion weapon or realistically any weapon because um as i found out in just reading stat scaling really only gets nuts until like you're super high leveled new game plus and your stats are gonna like go like past 99 because that's actually a thing you can do in neo 
in New Game Plus runs, apparently, is you can push your stats even beyond like a 99 cap. And that's really where you start getting the crazy stat bonuses. It's not like a, like Dark Souls where it's like, oh, yeah, you put your decks at like 40 because that's when you get diminishing returns. Yeah, you know you, what I mean? They're, they're like the Dark Souls, at least you have a, the very definitive soft cap area where like depending yeah. on the game, it's somewhere between like 30 and 50. And it's like, if you know what weapon you're going to be using or what build you want to go with, you just make sure you hit the soft cap and then everything else you're kind of just doing alongside that for for what you need at the moment. And then the biggest thing, like, you know, we said was gear management. And honestly, and this was a more of a realization I had. Gear management is honestly how I've been doing it and it's worked for me. Anything that's yellow rarity or below, I just sell for money. <laughs> just sell it for money. And if it's blue or purple, dismantle it for materials. So essentially, play it like I'm playing Diablo. <laughs> like if it's yeah. n- if it's not rare or better, get rid of the shit. <laughs> Be- and then as you know, it's like, oh man, I need better gear. Like I have this set I like, and I'm I'm out pacing it now level wise. Well, at least in Neo Two, I can't speak for Neo One because I didn't fuck with it much. But a, a lot of the sets you get, like not so much the the rare sets that have like set bonuses, but um, like just like the, the the generic sets you might find while leveling that gives some solid bonuses, like the Shinobi gear that gives you just like overall ninjutsu power, or like one of the other ninja sets that makes all your shurikens and kunai do more damage. Um, you just craft yourself a set of gear, like you take all those higher end mats that you've been like hoarding from dismantling your blues and purples. Because you can essentially turn the blue crafting mats into purple ones if you have enough. And it's just... like Let's say there's like this one common armor set that you like. You just go forge a new one. Because the forge will scale to your character. Okay. Alright, I get what you're saying. So, so it's like, you know, like, oh, this set's starting to fall behind. Go make myself a new one with all the materials I've been hoarding in between missions. This is really and interesting that- because, like, it, like when we get to talking a Stranger of Paradise, um, I was pretty late in the game, but that's a very similar system kind of put into place. But, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I started doing that, and all of a sudden, it just it all kind of fell into place because it was like, okay, I'm doing a ninjutsu build, so use you know carry at least the one weapon that scales with my decks, which is making my ninjutsu power go up, and then you know start. Every so often, when a set starts to fall behind, I just make a new one. Like, whatever, you know, sets I have that I can make that increase my, you know, whatever is applicable to my ninjutsu build. And then, on top of that, there's a feature you get later, I think, where you can use this, again, this other material that you get by just completing missions or dismantling or whatever. I don't remember off the top of my head. And it lets you re-roll the random perks on armor. So, like, what I'll do is, is like, you know, oh, like, I'm gear set fell behind. I'll go forge a new one. Because every set has at least that one bonus that is static. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, every piece of shinobi gear is going to give you an ninjutsu power increase. You know what I mean? Before yeah. factoring in any other random benefits you might get. So, so you're pretty much just, like, re-rolling based on, like, if, if you think there's something better that you can get or if there's something that's not optimal, you kind of re-roll to hit the optimal build. Well, and what's what's great is like you know I'll re-roll the extra perks that come onto a piece of gear. Like obviously the like the ninjutsu ones I keep, like that are there by default. Yeah. 
But what I'll do is it's like, oh, there's like all these other things like, ooh, toughness. Like, I'm not really using toughness because I don't block. When you go to the thing that lets you re-roll the perks, it shows you what's available to re-roll to. And you've got a small list to pick between. Oh, so you, it's pretty and much you just, can just customizing keep doing it. it. As much, and you can pretty much just keep doing it as much as you want. Okay. That's actually Like, every cool. time you go to re-roll a perk, it gives you like a pool of like three or whatever that you can pick from. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So... I just, so gear management became a non-issue for me because it was just like, I have this clear build that I'm doing. And this system of basically selling for money, dismantling for the rare, you know, gear rarity mats is working super well because selling all the yellows and whites is giving me enough gold to more than afford the armor I forge. Yeah. So... It stopped being gear management, really. Like, sometimes I would look at my gear, and because sometimes you'll get lucky, you'll find a set that actually has, like, a really dope, like, set thing that you're going for. Like, um, I found a set from one of the NP, like, the trainer NPCs that he drops when you beat the training mission. And it's a set that's absolutely dope for my build because it's like, if I'm at full HP, my ninjutsus are stronger. I get an overall damage bonus if based on my <clears throat> ninjutsu power so even if i'm just dumping everything in the decks everything's hitting hard because i'm just getting a passive damage bonus to anything that's pretty that's sweet scaling deal. off of yeah or it's like i have a percent high percentage to just not consume uh like a like a ninja item when i use it so if i'm lucky enough i walk into a boss fight i'm humming kunai's until they're just dead like a machine gun <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. And so, so, and then when it came to sets like that, because they clearly, they dropped from a particular, you know, NPC you could fight in a training mission, then it was just, okay, I can just keep doing the training mission over and over again, and I can farm this set to get a dope, like, a higher level, like, version of it. Oh my god. <laughs> and if I got really lucky, I could, they could drop the book. So I don't even have to do that anymore. I can forge my own set whenever I want. <laughs> and it was kind of all of that coming together over the course of like realizing I don't need to worry about the gear management and kind of finalizing that build I want to do and all that. I was like, wow, okay, like I'm really seeing the depth that Neo 2 has. And honestly, it's way deeper than any Souls game. I, I have to agree with that. Like, there's so much... Like, Souls games are really cool because it's very... I don't want to say set it and forget it, but it kind of is. There's so many... Oh, it absolutely There's is. so many armor pieces that you can get that are just like... Like, you know what build you're going for usually when in a Souls game when you start the game. Like, you're picking your class right off the, the get-go. And you when you see, like... Let's say you're a knight class and you see some plate mail armor or something along those lines. You're like, okay, this makes sense. This is what I'm going to do because I'm already sword shield. This armor fits my ability. And yeah, you'll get unique versions of that armor. Usually as you progress through the game, like you'll get rarer sets with better stat bonuses. And uh, in certain Souls games, you can actually level them up, which is really weird which Souls games allow you to do that and which ones don't. Um, yeah. But it's very, it's very static. Whereas I feel like with Neo and Stranger of Paradise, it's very much not static. But the problem is the game, for it, like the game, doesn't tell you 
that like, hey, you're not going to need all this stuff and to get rid of it. A lot of it's like you'll see it and you'll be like, oh, this looks like something cool. Oh, but you know, this stat has better aren't like just overall armor, but this one has a cool ability and you like you get in your head about which one to keep and which one you want to get rid of. And it's a whole thing. And it doesn't really give yep. you great advice about forging your own armor. So yeah. half the time you're going through lists. And when we're talking about like item drops, don't think of this as like, oh, just like one or two weapons you'll get throughout the mission. No, you'll get like dozens. Oh, they're loot pinatas. Yeah, it's, it's like playing fucking Borderlands, but with fucking like samurai weapons. Like, it, you'll hit an enemy, and they'll drop, like, fucking two katanas and a fucking, like, uh, a spear, and you're like, oh, I, great, I guess. And then you have to go through all this, like, all the all of these items and sort through them, figure out which ones you want to keep, figure out which ones you want to get rid of. So if you're, if you're like me, and you're, like, a stats guy, I think that's one of the issues where I just hated managing my inventory in those games. Um but knowing that, I might actually revisit Neo 2 and like go in it with like a fresh set of eyes and see if I can get a little bit further into it than what I was. Um, but I have a, a question because like the thing that really got to me in Neo 2 is in Souls games, I love the interconnected world. How do you feel about like the the singular levels that you go into in Neo 2 and the level design? that's like in them because i have kind of issues with sometimes like the levels i get what they're trying to do with like a uh, backtracking and stuff where you're playing the level and you'll like open up a gate from one end and you're like oh this gets me closer to the shrine that i can rest at but it also feels nine like in 90 percent of the levels i go into i'm like this is a very like this is the way they want me to play this level. And that kind of put me off. Even in Neo 1, it put me off a little bit because it seemed to just funnel you in one direction. No, that's um, those are pretty good points, and they're points I agree with. Um, for the most part, I've never really been through a, a mission in Neo because let's not beat around the bush. That's what the game calls them. They're yeah. missions. Neo isn't a, a more cohesive, open experience. Neo 2 is a mission-based Souls game, almost. With its overall structure. Yeah, it's it's literally like you, you have a map, and you select a mission, and then you go there, and then you play that mission. Uh, and I, I kind of like that format. My issue with that format, though, is like, Sometimes you'll replay a mission like it, like you said, like if you're doing a training mission, you kill that enemy. Uh, they could potentially drop something different each and every time. Or if it's a mission that you feel like you're getting, you, you have like a spot where you can get like a lot of, um, I don't know what it'd be like experience, I guess you can kind of go back and just easily farm a mission to level up quicker. If it, if, that's the case even though the missions have levels like there are certain missions in neo one that i played through like three or four times because i know i could blow through it so quickly and kill the boss and get enough experience to just level up again for the the mission i was going into after that yeah but um level design i mean not not great um i will say graphically the game's very beautiful especially playing a the ps5 version Oh yeah, the game is gorgeous um, and it actually runs really well too. Gorgeous and like the default is like 
gorgeous in 60 fps like which is for a console great to see oh yeah um or if like you really want you can double down and get the 4k visuals at 30 fps steady or you can if you have a tv with it or a monitor with a high enough refresh rate uh go ahead and have 120 and the game's visuals still don't suffer that bad yeah it's a lot of like it just does like weird pop in stuff sometimes if you if you crank it up to the the 120 mode but with that being said it does make like the more frames you're adding into this the easier it is in combat be just for blocking dodging knowing what frames of animation you have going on if you're if you're looking for your iframes and things like that uh so that is huge. I do like how they have so many settings that you can choose from in order to get the experience you want. Like that's, especially with the early days of PS5, that wasn't always the case. So uh, thinking of level design, I mean, nothing stands out to me um, because as much as I do like this game, if you want egregiously bad levels design in a Souls-like game, uh, Code Vein, holy fuck. <laughs> I, like, I beat Code Vein. I know what you're talking about. Th- that game is the, very that, linear, and like, the level design's awful. And God, the the cathedral. You know the cathedral I'm oh, talking yeah. about. In Code I know Vane. the cathedral. Yep. That is easily the. Sh- Everyone says it. I'm gonna harp on it here. That is the shittiest map in any Souls-like game I've ever played. I don't know. The, I've uh, never felt more lost. The snow level in Code Vein was also really fucking bad. Like just really really bad but it, i mean it's an it was an anime it was an anime souls game so i fucking play I, it. I, <laughs> I i mean i i code vein is my my b grade uh kind of shut the brain off and i just want something that's stylish and simple you know for a souls game and it works but that's maybe probably a conversation for another podcast yeah. but the point I was going to make with Neo stages is I didn't find the stages honestly too bad to navigate, but I get where you're coming from with how linear they feel. Um, really, the only time I get frustrated exploring maps in Neo is when I'm playing a Twilight version of a stage. Uh. And it's just, it's dark, the sky's red, and it's just, uh, it's ugly to look at. And because of the lighting and how dark it is, it's more of a pain in the ass to navigate. I will say this in Neo in Neo one, there were a lot of stages where I was like, this is really, really pretty. Like I'll be playing through it and I'll be like, wow, you guys have like really good rain effects. Um, like, you know how to like kind of stage the area where if you're going through it, every place kind of looks different. So it's a little bit easier to navigate. Um, whereas in Neo two, a bunch of the levels, like the first like starting missions of the game were, like all of the areas that you were going to within the missions looked so similar that it was almost like begging you to get lost a little bit until you learn the level. It's kind of like playing Resident Evil for the first time. Like the mansion's fucking huge. Everything kind of looks the same, but after like a couple of minutes, you, you get used to where you are and how to navigate it. Even without, like, even if you didn't have to look at the map, the same kind of, the same rules kind of apply to Neo too. It was just, it, took me a little bit longer to get my bearings in certain levels because everything in the level there weren't any like landmarks and as you're going through the levels a lot of the time they're segregated in such a way where it's like battle area number one go through gate kind of battle area number two little bit of exploration Mm -hmm. battle area number three uh and it's so segmented that you kind of have to like remember like it's almost like remembering um 
like a code or a button press. Like, okay, we go through this little area to get to this big area where we fight this big guy. And then we funnel through this tunnel to get to this next big area to fight this big guy. And it's just so like it, it, I hate using the term linear, but it is so linear that I felt like I didn't have freedom in the game. And I felt like they were guiding me into battles and kind of predicting how the battle was going to go by where they were placing you. Like they were like, oh, you're going to go over this bridge and then the archers are going to hit you. And then you're going to get attacked by this guy that you're not going to see. And they were like setting up these uh, events in advance. And it was just super annoying after a while because it was like you can almost start predicting the ambushes in the game because of how they design the levels. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. Um, And I think a lot of that, not even just being a Neo-specific thing, you play enough of these games, you kind of just get the overall structure for encounters. Yeah, even in Dark Souls it does it. Yeah. Whether it's Neo, Neo 2, any of the Souls games, I mean, even things like, like, I haven't played this yet, but I've seen videos, like Mortal Shell. Like, oh, yeah. I played Mortal Shell. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, there's, it's a, it's a thing with the Souls-like formula, but just, you know, it, it's just the thing that happens the more you play games like this. You get, you get used to it, and you kind of, you know the beats. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, as far as the maps and stuff, um... Again, nothing I hated, but nothing that blew my mind either. Um, and I just going over the story really quick. Um, I thought the story in Neo Two is actually really interesting. Oh wow, that's a um, departure from Neo One for sure. Yeah, um, maybe it's because I can have my own character, and I can just naturally get more invested when it's a character that I've made, even yeah. if they don't speak. Um. But I think one thing I really appreciated that Neo 2 does that a lot of games don't is like, oh, you make your own character, but you very clearly look like you don't belong. Like there is a level of detail missing in your character that NPCs have. Ah, yes. I, I know, you know that what I mean? one. It's like there's a little bit, like they did a little bit extra to make the yeah. other characters more unique and more like, uh, it, it's almost like they're more handcrafted than your yeah. created character. Uh, and I, I didn't have that feeling with Neo Two. Maybe I just did a really fucking good ca- job making my character, but seeing my character in cutscenes alongside the you know actual NPCs of Neo Two, it looked like they fit in. Yeah, it's one of those games where it kind of looks like they created all the other characters using that character creator. Like that's the easiest uh, way to did. explain it. Yeah. And um, and not yeah, in so a janky Skyrim way or Oblivion way. <laughs> like 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 the character creator is really good in Neo Two. I'll say that. Like what I've played in Neo Two so far for the story, because like I said you know, earlier on, I hadn't finished it yet. Um, but n- with the overall plot of Neo Two being segmented into acts that are take that take place over a handful of years, um, it's pretty cool, especially if you have kind of that rough, rudimentary knowledge of you know, that era of Japanese history. Because you your character kind of goes alongside these events and finds themselves working for these different lords over the different acts of the game and having their own sort of rise to power with another, you know, person you're allied with. And, and I don't know, I actually found myself, like, not super invested, but 
there were some parts where I was like, man, I kind of just want to do story missions and not not do side missions right now because I really kind of want to see where the things are going to progress. Um, which was a really refreshing change because like, Neo One just kind of felt like watching paint dry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so story, you know, story. I actually have been pretty invested in, especially recently. Um, I just got to a pretty big plot moment and something uh, something new happened as far as the game's narrative goes which i was not expecting and i thought it was really interesting um and i think it's crazy that after all of these this time i put into playing neo 2 excuse me hiccuped um they're still like hey here's a new thing you can go to between missions yeah that's pretty cool the, to keep it i like fresh. when games just when games don't like it feels like a game's continuing to give yeah, and from what I know, I still have like two more acts to go, because I was just kind of curious to see where I was going. So it seems like I still have like two more acts to go from the one I'm on, and it's nice to know there's still so much game in front of me, and like my character's level a hundred, and like my gears dropping it around that same thing. It's I don't know. There's going to be a lot to sink my teeth into. I'm really looking forward to beating the main story, doing the DLCs. Uh, New game pluses for Neo 2 are apparently super interesting because they remix the level layouts a bit. And like when you start doing your new game pluses, like new tiers of gear get added with new kinds of effects. And it, it, it just seems like there's a lot of game to really sink my teeth into. That does seem cool. And especially with Dark Souls being like if you beat Dark Souls and you do new game plus, it's pretty much you, you get harder enemies. And they ju- yeah. it just keeps going into hard. Like they just keep getting harder. That's all that really happens. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, I'm hoping this weekend to sink some more time into Neo 2 because uh, I'm in. I'm just, I, I had a phase where I was really into it for a bit and then other games came out and it fell off for me. But I was talking to some family over the holidays and like Souls Lakes and I thought of Neo 2 and I, it made me want to play it again. And I was just like, man, like I, I've got that bug again. Like I want, I really want to sink my teeth into it. Uh and just and see what's at the end because I already feel like the game is super substantial, has a lot of these really in-depth systems, which I, I can't speak for how it'll be on new game pluses, but I feel like you can engage with its systems as much or as little as possible, but as so long as you find what works for you, you can progress. Mm. So like I'm sure you know there's tons of people that min-max micromanage every single piece of loot they get and for optimizing themselves every single second of their playtime. Yeah, or there's just people like me who are like, ah, eh, sell all the junk, dismantle all the other rarer junk. And, oh, I'm starting to get, my, uh, things are starting to spike a bit. Let's go reforge the same gear I've been using, but just so it's higher stats and go back into it and level up some more. And, you know, next thing you know, I'm progressing a bit and I don't hit any walls until again, it feels like, oh, things are getting a little tough. Do it again, you know? Yeah. It, and I think it says a lot about the game where people, if you, that some people can engage with it a shit ton and all the intricacies and get just as much enjoyment as someone like me who is doing maybe half of that and still having a lot of fun. Yeah. It seems like the game at least rewards you for the time that you want to spend in it. So if you want to learn the systems and learn the crafting and learn how to do that, you're, you're going to get rewarded for it. Whereas Hey, if you just want to go in and play the game and get in use the gear that's dropped, you can. It's just not going to be the same experience 
as someone who dives deeper into the systems. It might be a little bit more difficult for you to actually do it, um, which is so okay. So I'm gonna hop into Stranger of Paradise now because no, I was just gonna say that's why I was trying to speed run those last bullet points because I didn't want to drag on any more than I already have. <laughs> Well, the thing is, there's a lot of shit that you were talking about in Neo 2 that kind of hits the same notes as Stranger of Paradise. Uh, Stranger of Paradise is, it's essentially like, so having played Neo, it's pretty much Neo if you were to, one, add in a Final Fantasy storyline, but a not good, don't, don't think of a good Final Fantasy storyline. Oh, I, will, I, I actually have some <laughs> thoughts on that, uh, where I actually think some of the things they do towards the end are really cool, but we'll get into that when you want to bring up the story. Yeah, so, so like, they do a lot of things, like, so, the thing that really got me with with uh, Stranger of Paradise was they use the job system from the Final Fantasy games, and they merge it into the combat system of the game, and the combat system kind of plays a lot like the Neo combat system, but not exactly. So th- the way it's a little bit different is I always felt like when I was playing Neo, um, the way stamina and everything was managed, uh, the hits, because be- depending on the weapon you were using, felt like they kind of had no weight for the most part, especially if you were going up against like larger enemies. But this game in particular, Stranger of Paradise, has like a stamina gauge above every single enemy's head. And a lot of the game is based on you taking down that stamina gauge. So that way you can do like finishing moves to them. And by doing those finishing moves, especially on bosses, you do a significant amount of damage. And there are like systems in place in the job system and in the job trees that will actually help you stagger enemies quicker or do more critical damage to take out that stagger meter a little bit quicker while doing damage. And it's a really interesting thing because there are certain bosses that you'll fight where you're better off taking out all of their, their health, like right off the bat, instead of trying to to damage their stamina gauge, you might as well go in with magic and just trying to like, just take out as much health as possible. Then, but then there's other bosses that you'll run into where it's like, you have no hope of actually killing them unless you break their stamina and stagger them and then do a finishing move to them. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Sekiro in that way. Cause like there are bosses in Sekiro where it was like, you couldn't fucking kill that boss. If you were just one-on-one slashing them, you had to parry them enough times. So that way they could be oh, staggered yeah. and you could do a finishing move. No. Yeah. Sekiro. So it's man, that'll be a game to talk about because I have a lot of hot takes about that game. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's one of the things I loved and hated about Sekiro is at a certain point, I really felt like, why even give the mini bosses and bosses health bars? Yeah. Why even bother? You, you, the whole way you're going to be able to beat them is by staggering them. Like the last boss <laughs> in that game, you can essentially only beat by by parrying them and then staggering them. That was it. Like giving health to the like the random mooks, I understand in Sekiro because just you can wail on them, maybe do a parry or two, and they go down. But literally anything that has the multiple health bars, you can get the health bar down to zero, and it doesn't go down. Yeah, it just kind of like all the chills. health represents is how easy it is. Like if they have less health than a health bar, they take more like poise damage or posture damage. 
whatever it was called. Yeah. I think it was poison. I think that you're point, right. At, at that point, though, in my head, I'm like, why even have the health bar? <laughs> like, it, it just seems, it, it's giving an illusion that I can just kill this enemy like a conventional souls enemy. Yeah. Or like a normal mob. Where I can just wail on them with hits and be careful and maybe I just want to dart in and out, get some swings in to just drop them eventually, but it, it that's not an option. So if my only option is to play, not masterfully, but you know, if I need to be aggressive and punish properly to maximize my posture damage, then that's the only meter that should be there. Yeah. The posture gauge and how many dots I need to hit of... <laughs> That they have that represents their lives, essentially. Like, th- that's really all that needs to be there, you know? But that's a whole gripe, and we're sidetracking. Yeah. Sorry about that. But no, just, no, oof, my God. It's okay, because I've had this whole conversation with someone at work about Sekiro, because he, he had quit Sekiro, because he was like, I can't parry. <laughs> he's like, I'm just done. And he's a huge Souls person, too. But he just, like, couldn't do Sekiro because of the parry system. But, like, Neo has the same, same thing, where it's, like, it has, like, a, essentially a stagger gauge. Like... If yep. somebody's blocking, you can you can just keep hitting them, and if you're you have enough endurance to break their stag, like break their posture, you can just fucking take them out. Um, it's just in Stranger of Paradise, every enemy like you get to a point where you can kind of spec your character to specifically hit that stagger gauge, and it makes the game a bazillion times easier. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And especially with bosses, because a lot of the bosses in this game, I think they they just call them fiends for the most part, because I've taken out like five, six, I don't even know how many, a lot of them. But a lot of them, it's pretty much like you find their weakness, and then you, you use the weakness to, to stagger them enough so that way you can perform a finishing move on them. And usually you have to do that twice. So like each boss has like two stages. Like you, you, you finish them the first time, they fucking disappear or fly away or regroup or whatever and then come back and then you have to break the second gauge but usually a second gauge is harder because those bosses have like substantially more power or different abilities or whatnot um but that it's like what Sekiro should have done where you don't need to break that gauge for any boss like you can literally take every boss down by lowering their health to a point where you can critical hit them um, or you can just break their stagger. I just found it easier to like kind of abuse the system, figure out which one's going down quicker in the battle, and then concentrate on that. If their health bar is going down quicker, I'm going to fucking wreck their health bar first. If the stagger bar is going down quicker, I'm going to wreck their stagger bar first. And the coolest, easily the coolest part of Stranger of Paradise is the job system. Because anybody who's played a Final Fantasy game with the job system knows what the fuck I'm talking about. It's like yep. the the level of customization for your character goes through the fucking roof because they essentially let you say like they give you the option to be whatever you want and use whatever abilities you want. It just might take you longer to get there. So um I started the game as a basic warrior class and I just like wasn't feeling it. Like it was one of those things where it's like you go, you swing at an enemy you know, you have a like this parry ability, which is essentially your block. But imagine mm-hmm. needing like being able to parry in Dark Souls, but the window for parrying is like four seconds instead of like a, a, a fourth of a second. You know, um, and when you parry, you kind of gain 
it, I think it's called special points, but it's what you use to to use magic or any special ability. And as a sword and board character, you can earn special really quickly. But the problem is your specials, like your special moves, don't do a whole lot of damage. They mostly just kind of, they do a little bit extra damage, a little bit extra stagger. And I was like, well, I think this is taking too long in combat. So then I specced a, essentially like a dual wielding thief build all the way up to a assassin build. So every time you go through a skill tree, so let's say you start off as thief and you go through thief, you essentially lock like two more new classes that you can choose from. So let's say you go through thief and then at the end you can, if you have like another class unlocked, let's say like pugilist or whatnot, it might open up like the assassin build or the ninja build and then you can select that. So each starting build usually has two like super class builds that you can go with after that and then you spec those to max level and like the amount of customization like i can't even tell you each one of these classes has its own move set not only does it have its own move set but if you use a special weapon in that class you now have the abilities that are attached to the special weapon that are in that specific like job set it's insane. Like, I can talk about this shit all day. And until you experience <laughs> it, you're just like, oh, you know, it's cool. You got, like, a bunch of different, like, things you can be in the game. But in combat, the combat feels so good because everything, every class feels like its own fucking game. Like, when you play Neo, every weapon kind of feels like its own class in a certain way but they're all mm -hmm. doing roughly the same amount of damage. Whereas in Stranger of Paradise, like if you're just like a, a monk or a punching character, you're not doing that much unless you're crit hit hitting. Or if you're a berserker, you're doing a shit ton if you have a fucking like two-handed like super weapon. The this that gap in between, there's so much fucking room for customization in different weapons to use and different abilities to stack on the combat in this game is what makes this game fun it's why i put fucking 20 hours into it like hands down so if you like neo or if you like souls likes that are in the same vein as neo stranger of paradise like should 100 percent be on your like must playlist because it has everything that neo has and just takes the combat system in Neo and Neo 2 and like jams the Final Fantasy job system into it. And it works perfectly. Like I didn't think it would, but it so fucking works. Um God, I could talk about this all day. Uh no, that's even from just playing the demo, that's definitely one of the things with Stranger of Paradise that really kind of drew me in. And it was one of the main things I was looking forward to whenever I do sit down and get the game for myself. Yeah. There are... So with that being said, that is the highest point of the game right there. Because when you unlock a class, like when I unlocked Assassin at first, I was like, well, this is, this is pretty cool. I can do like a little bit more critical damage. Then when I realized if I stack that with some abilities unlocked in other job classes, I could pretty much teleport behind enemies consistently do crit damage while not aggroing the enemy and then 
build up more of my special meter so I can continue to use special abilities, which are doing even more crit damage to them. Like, you feel like the biggest, baddest fucking person on the face of the planet when you hit that that thing. Now, with that being said, it took me probably four hours to figure out how the job system works um, because I didn't realize how much, like, the class linking has to occur. Like, I didn't realize, like, oh, once I got to the end of the skill tree, if I didn't have another skill tree filled up, I couldn't subclass again. So that got a little bit weird. But once that clicks, like you said, Neil, like, once it clicks, it fucking clicks. And it's like a whole new world when you're playing the game. Um, and the combat just feels so it's the combat's just the most satisfying part. Like if you play the demo, you'll, you get like a little, like little hint of what the combat's about, but the full game does a very good job of keeping the combat fresh and introducing new enemies at such a rate that like you're constantly learning new techniques to take them out which is really nice on the opposite end of that fucking spectrum is the goddamn level design to this game. I have no idea how much time that they had to build this game, but I guarantee you this game was rushed out the fucking door just based on what the level design was. Um, which is why I asked about Neo two, because I know the, the levels weren't, anything to write home about from the ones I played, but they were still like well designed enough and detailed enough where you can tell there were a lot of like, I don't want to say like hand painted areas, but like areas that you can tell they went into and put work in to make look good and look unique and look like they belong in that world. In final fantasy origins, like stranger paradise, that is 100% not the case. The amount of levels in this game that are just fucking hallways with enemies in them and you go through that for half an hour in the hallway, I swear to God, does not change. The way it looks does not change. You don't even change the fucking color. It's insane. So I, I, I want to kind of research to see how long that they had to make this game and figure out like... They must have made the, the combat system and then it was just like, no, we, we don't have time to actually build levels for this. We made the combat system, we made the enemies, that's it. <sighs> that was a fucking rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, honestly, um, man, it actually sucks to hear you say that just because even from playing the demo, that was the one thing I was kind of worried about was level structure and to know the whole game is like that is just kind of like, oh man, like it, it's sort of disappointing to hear, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. I'm sure I'll be able to form my own opinion myself when I eventually play it, but well, here's the thing. Keep in mind that I'm I haven't finished the game yet. So I still have two two missions. But the missions in the beginning of the game, like there's a mission in, where you're pretty much like climbing a castle. That's really dope. Yep. You could tell they put in like a lot of time and energy into that mission. There's also a mission where you go into like this big church and it's really nice looking and all that stuff. And you're like, sweet, this mission actually looks looks pretty cool. And then I distinctly remember so about halfway through the game, 
there was a mission where um, you're fighting in like this cathedral or church and the starting room with like the the staircase and the balcony and the stained glass windows looks amazing and you're like oh this is going to be a really like dope arena to fucking fight in and then you walk up the staircase and i swear to god they put you in like 14 hallways that look exactly the fucking same like you literally can get lost because all the hallways look the same. And if they didn't put dead ends in and just made it a maze, you would be screwed because it's just the same hallway copied and pasted over and over again. And that's when I started to realize that like there was something wrong and that they must have like run out of development time. There are a handful of levels that are like pretty cool. Like there's a, a pirate ship level with like really nice looking caves and like a, kind of an outdoor level with waterfalls and stuff like that where you actually change the the weather so that like let's say there's a waterfall blocking your path you change the weather and that waterfall goes away and it's like sunny out so you can now progress through that path that was interesting that only happens one fucking time in the game though like in one level and it's like why would you go through all that work and then like not use this again and that's the shit that frustrates me because it's like you have these this like excellent combat system with really cool enemies because the enemies in the game are pulled right from the Final Fantasy universe. So like you have Marlboros and you know uh, Cactors and you fight Tonberries, which are like bosses, and you have these really cool fucking enemies to fight, but you just fight them in like the shittiest areas. And then as you go even further into the game, you they don't even give you those enemies anymore sometimes they'll just put you in an area where it's just like you're fighting robots with sledgehammers and stun batons and there's like four or five levels where like that's all you're doing you're in a you're in a place that looks like it's pulled out of the final fantasy 7 remake like the the mako reactor um with hallways rinsed and rinsed and repeated again and you're just fighting those guys like just robots with batons and fucking hammers. So there is actually a reason for that Mako reactor looking level. And I, I can get into that when we talk about the story, but you're either going to find it's corny or you're going to think it's really cool. All right. Fair enough. Um, uh, the, the loot system, I'll get into that real quick. The loot system's pretty much the same as it is in Neo. Um, which is why, like, when you started talking about it, I was like, oh, shit. They essentially use the same loot system in in Stranger of Paradise as they do in Neo, where you can just kind of upgrade your equipment as needed using uh, something called Anima or Anima. And you can, you can actually use that to do two things. You can use it to level up your job skills. So if you feel like, let's say you are in Thief right now because you're trying to get to like a ninja class. Well, you know, you're not really feeling the thief thing. It's taking too long to do. You can actually use anima to give yourself experience in that job class. So you can essentially bypass the prerequisites of having to play that job class um, and just go straight into ninja. Or you can use it to upgrade your weapons, like swords. Like I have unique swords that I just use that to upgrade. The weird thing is, and I don't know how it, it figures it out, there is a max level to what you can upgrade it to. And I'm assuming it's only upgradable until the, 
like you've come across equipment at the level. So like, let's say your highest equipment thing that you've picked up is like 104. Then you would be able to upgrade your weapon to level 104. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Because I really don't know. And the game has never explained it to me. Um, but the same thing with the, uh, the way you're talking about being able to like change the special abilities of each item you can do the same thing in stranger of paradise you i just it the best the best thing this fucking game has i'll say it right now is uh, an auto dismantle system so after you finish a level you can actually set prerequisites for the items that you pick up so like let's say you're level 50 and you don't give a shit about anything that's below level 48 as far as gear goes when you finish the level it will just show up as a screen with all the shit that you found. And you're like, it's just like, do you want to dismantle it for all the stuff? And you're just like, yep. And it automatically dismantles it. And you automatically, and you get all the, the crafting supplies from it. I was uh, like, I to, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Neo two has those features and I've just never turned them on, but I'm going to look into that next time I play the game to see if it's there. <laughs> that once I found that, I was like, Oh fuck, this is a game changer. The downside is you have to do it every fucking time you exit. Like, like let's say you've leveled up after like the the past like three levels, so like your gear level is like like fucking seventy nine. But the last time you modified that auto dismantle, you were level sixty. Every single time, like you, your equipment level goes up, you would have to modify it. There's nothing that says like, hey, I want it to be within five levels of my current gear level. Like you you have to oh, set. I get you. You have to set specific filters. Like it's great because like it's like yeah, you just it's one button dismantling for all your shit. But it's like you it still have it still makes you fucking micromanage the thing that's supposed to keep you from micromanaging shit. It doesn't make sense. Um but the gear system is, is very straightforward. It's the same thing as Neos. You have your your different rarity levels. Um you have like you get you do get some cool unique weapons which are pretty dope like i have like this like blood katana right now which is great and there's like a berserker sword that looks like it's pulled out of like so, uh, like another final fantasy game essentially which is really cool um so the gear system's actually pretty dope the characters in the game are all right like so I'll get into the story now because like I feel like I've gushed about the combat system. The gear system's okay. The levels fucking suck. So let's get to like the shittiest part of the game in my opinion, which is a story where the whole premise of the story is like you're you have no memories whatsoever. The game doesn't tell you you don't have memories, but you you figure it out as you progress through the story. And they give you these crystals and you're supposed to apparently you're part of a prophecy to take these crystals and go kill chaos. Cause apparently chaos is causing all sorts of disasters and shit all across the world, but they don't tell you what it's actually doing. It's just saying like chaos is causing disruption. But in the beginning of the game, the town you go to is this super fucking nice town and everybody's super happy and nobody has a goddamn care in the world. So I don't know why we need to go kill Chaos. And I feel like the, the main character has no idea why they have to kill Chaos either. But they send you on this mission. And uh, for like the first like two boss characters you kill, they just disintegrate and you get a new party member. Like you kill the boss character, 
and they look like a giant fucking suit of armor or whatever and they disintegrate and it's like hey here's another party member for you they just turn into a party member almost none of this is explained might i add they're just like oh i went to go kill chaos i guess i became bad oh you're gonna kill chaos i guess i'll come with you and this happens multiple fucking times and you kind of progress through the story and almost nothing happens and the other thing is too like they they set you up in this castle with these npcs to talk to one time and it makes a big deal of you talking to characters in this castle the one time you're there like oh you can go talk to npcs and find out more about your mission but you fucking never go back there like i thought i was going to be going back to this castle after every fucking mission and talking to like these characters and getting more insight they never bring you back there I'm 18 missions in. I've been back twice. And the second time I was there, I just fought enemies. That was it. So there's this weird disconnect of like this game wants you to think you're playing an RPG, but you're definitely not. You're just playing a fucking action game. And that is all you like all they care about. With that being said, I'm at the end of the story somewhere, but I still don't know what the fuck's going on. And I still don't know why the main character needs to kill chaos besides he has this gut feeling that he needs to kill chaos. And I still don't know why. Well, I've actually figured out why people don't have memories, but the game hasn't told me why like their memories were taken away to begin with. And that's where I am on the plot. So if you have any insight on that, please let me know. So I'm really wondering if you just didn't know this or you didn't catch it or you just didn't mention it, but you know that this is set in final fantasy one, right? Yeah. Okay. Like it's that chaos from final fantasy one. Yeah. But see, here's the thing. The game tells you nothing. Like if you're, if you're a person playing this game, when I, I shit you not, this is what the uh, intro cutscene to the game is. You're walking into the town. Two other people walk up to you and are like, hey, you're here to kill chaos. I'm here to kill chaos too. Let's go. And that is it. That is that is the introduction to the game. Well, I mean, that that's how that's basically how Final Fantasy One started. <laughs> so maybe I'm maybe because I'm a cheap mark and I love my throwbacks and references. But so from what I know about the plot is obviously this is set in the the same setting as the original Final Fantasy. You know, we have Corneria, we have all these NPCs that you'd encounter in Final Fantasy 1, the the antagonists, but they're more portrayed as allies in this, like the pirate, uh, Bic or whatever, then Astos, the Dark Elf, and all that stuff. And... So this is me just kind of spitballing off of what I've read because it's been a while since I, you know, went ahead and got myself spoiled on the story. But from what I know, um, like the the the, the fantasy cliche uh, ancient precursor race from the original Final Fantasy, the Lufenians or mm-hmm. whatever, the people who made like the airship and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they based for whatever reason, uh, Jack and his party members. I think they're they're either artificial people made by them 
or something along those lines. But either way, the Lufenians essentially manipulate Jack and his allies, and they're stuck in essentially a Groundhog Day loop. Okay. For for some for some reason, I can't recall what it is off the top of my head. Yeah. So I got that just because they tell you like I, I've come across the cutscene where they're just like. Jack is seeing somebody give him the crystals and they're like the crystal and they're like you have to keep this cuz it stores your memory but it has a capacity limit and once it hits its limit you won't remember anything again but they don't tell him what the limit is or anything and they're just like you're there to I think they say like he's there to monitor chaos and that Astos is his uh, I guess it would be his handler. Like they pretty yeah. much say, go to Astos when you're ready to go home. But Astos, like Astos, doesn't even seem to be doing anything besides like vaguely pointing the main character, like Jack, in the direction of where some of the fiends are, and that's really it. So from from what I again from my limited understanding, from what I've been able to piece together. So, you know, that's all happening in the background. The Lufenians are, uh, you know, they're evil, I guess. That's the, the big twist, I guess. Um, and they're, which is actually something from, this is something from fucking, I think, Dissidia, of all things. <laughs> because I think this is brought up in some of, like, the lore in Dissidia. But the Lufenians are aware of the, the multiverse that the Final Fantasy franchise extends to. Which is why there's a mission that looks like the Mako Reactor from Final Fantasy VII, because it's based on what they can gather from that universe. There's a reason why one of the missions looks like the first dungeon in Final Fantasy XIV. Okay. And, and things like that. A lot of the, I think it's mainly the side missions and not the main ones, but a handful of missions are based on environments from the other games. Because the Lufenians are aware of the the Final Fantasy multiverse, I guess. Yeah, they, they, it seemed like there's this gist that like there is a multiverse, and they don't really, they're not really bothered by it. It exists, and it, it, okay, the game's so weird because nobody ever fucking walks anywhere half the time. They just get teleported, which is just wacky to see in any game. And they don't explain why they can teleport or where they're teleporting to half the time. They just kind of show up. Um, And the funniest one is there was a scene where Astos like kind of teleports away. And then like Jack and the party run into where Astos like was teleporting and also get teleported there. So I don't know how the teleportation system fucking works in this game. I just know apparently Anybody can teleport anywhere at any time. There's almost no consequence to it, which blows my fucking mind. Um, So the spot I'm in in the game right now, it's like Jack knows Astos is somehow like possibly has the memories of what his mission is here. And Jack's chasing him to see if he can figure out what the hell is going on. And this is, the, again, the one of the last two missions of the game. So I'll, I'll see what happens in like a couple days when I actually finish it. But the storyline is fucking nonsensical, to say the least. Oh, it is. I'm not saying it's good by any means, but 
like again, I'm a, I'm a cheap mark for references <laughs> and meta and meta plot lines. So even if it's not that great, it's still I enjoy it almost in like a corny B movie level. Yeah. It, it's just always funny because so so what ends up happening is as you play the game like when you kill a fiend um the i don't know essence of the fiend is kind of just like this great like like this like black kind of like gaseous mast uh like goes into the crystals that each character is holding and every time this happens jack gets like a flash of a little bit of memory of before he was sent on this mission um but he also gets like weird flashes of i'm assuming it's previous timelines that have occurred yeah because at one point in time he sees um ash which is another party member die at the same exact spot you're currently standing in except for like this time that never happens and you never see that but it's one of those things where it's like just i i get the story you're trying to tell like i'm getting like vague references of what you're trying to do but can you please just like it's okay the best comparison i will make right now it's like trying to decipher metal gear solid 5's plot you know it's there <laughs> you know it exists and they're trying to tell something important they just did a really shitty job of it the same rules apply here and uh, i mean man if you're okay with it i just kind of want to talk about the last cutscene in the game yes uh because i i geek the i geek the fuck out when i saw this so essentially whatever however it all plays out when we get to this point jack and the party members realize okay we finally have the ability to do something and stop this cycle for good and however it's explained and convoluted it is jack becomes garland okay and your four party members become the four fiends lich tiamat kraken and marilith hmm and they set the stage so that the actual prophecy of Final Fantasy 1 can come to pass. And the last shot in the game is Jack in Garland's armor sitting in the Temple of Fiends. And the last shot is the door opening and it's the Warrior of Light and three party members walking in. Okay, that's pretty fucking dope. And I'm, I saw that and was like, holy fuck, that is the sickest thing. That's pretty cool. I will admit, that's pretty fucking cool. Because when you... Okay, so remember how I said that you kill a fiend and you pretty much get a party member and that's how it, it goes down for like the first like three or four bo- boss battles? Um, yeah. The first time you run into Garland and you kill... You take him out, uh, you get Neon, which is one of the... Yeah, the female I, that was in the demo. I played that. Yeah. And then the next... I don't know if it's the next fiend you kill or the fiend after that, but you kill that one and it becomes another i can't remember the, the it's a girl you get another female party member who's like the mage of the party essentially yeah so i i guess that kind of makes sense but it's so the weirdest thing about this game and i'll say this is the fact that like okay so your party members have no recollection of the previous events they that, that that's like the thing they're like we we intentionally don't have any memory of it because if we had memories of things they would be it would we wouldn't be able to do our job because we'd be afraid of the previous events that have occurred which kind of makes sense um again horribly told but the other problem is like the people in the castle itself like the 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 main area they have memories that go way back because at one point in time 
um, the princess tells Jack, hey, can you go look for Garland, essentially? Like, they they left like 10 years ago and never came back. So I don't know how long these events go on for in each loop because it seems like the people in the castle at, like remember things for a longer period of time than Jack remembers things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, and um, that's one of the things I think I've heard from a friend who played through the game is a lot of the, the, the weird behind-the-scenes looping bullshit is in like... Because what the game has like in-game lore, right? Like a directory or something. Yeah, which like, uh, which brings me to to something else too. The in-game lore, some of it you have to unlock by like finding these hidden area things in levels. Like, and usually they're in side quests. They're like little hidden uh, orange orbs that look like every other fucking item that you pick up. But those give you the most insight. The problem is. One, they're hidden inside missions, and two, they're very fucking easy to miss, and three, they're giving you actual things you would like to know about the game. So the game's essentially forcing you to play like really shitty side missions in order to find these, and you never know. Like, there's nothing indicating in the mission that one of these things is in there, which really frustrates me. So you're essentially just scouring missions, and unless you have a guide to know which orb is in which mission you'll never know where it would be like where there's one that you're missing like it would be nice if in each mission um kind of i don't know briefing it would say like hey one of these memories is in here because that's what they're called they're called memories and you unlock them that way but again uh, i digress it's kind of stupid that they put it there instead of like in the main path, like in a, in a part of like a main mission, which would make way more sense, which I completely agree with. I hate when games basically make lore reading mandatory looking at you destiny. Um, (laughs) but no, yeah. At the end of the day though, uh, I think is despite how ridiculous and meta the story is for that game, um, I love how unapologetically campy it is. Oh, yeah. I love how corny and edgy Jack Garland is. Like, what is it? There's that clip where he's fighting a boss and they're monologuing and he just cuts them off and is like, I don't give a fuck. It just hits them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, he my does God. That, like, like every boss. It's fucking wonderful. Like, yeah, Fiends will be talking. And he's just like, shut up and let's fight. And then he'll just fucking run up and punch him. It's great. Yeah, it's it's so corny. But God. The, the ending with how they basically tried to set up the villains of... They essentially used the party in this game to establish them as the vil- Like, to form them as the villains for the original Final Fantasy. And as corny or as retconny or whatever people would say about it, it's cheap fan service, but I'm so fucking here for it. <laughs> and, like, to top it off even better, one of the DLCs for the game one of the fights you can do is you can literally pick right up from where the ending is and you could fight the warrior of light. That's pretty fucking awesome. And it, it's, it's almost like the Hayabusa fights in Neo. <laughs> like, but, and it's literally like they ripped his moveset right out of Dissidia final fantasy. That's but pretty cool. it, I, I, again, I'm, I'm easy to please with this kind of shit. I love my references and all that. So, 
I'm I'm excited to play through the corn fest that is the the story of Stranger of Paradise. And as frustrating as it is, I'll probably try to go out of my way, get all the lore and read it. Just because even though, like I said, I kind of spoiled myself on the 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 major beats. Uh, you know, I do want to get into the nitty gritty details. And just random last thing to say about the story, but I knew I was in for a wild ride when I did the tutorial mission, like, like the start. And literally the game opens up with I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> like that started playing and I'm just, I leaned back on my couch and I'm just like, I know exactly the kind of shit I'm getting into right now. This is going to be absurd and I'm so here for it. It's definitely, so it, it may seem like I, I'm shitting on this game a lot. Like I, I, I totally get that. And I still, I'm still not done kind of shitting on it i have like one more thing to say and that's just the side quests um they don't need them i, I feel like this game would be no. better without the side quests as a whole uh it's like side quests in neo 2 yeah you, do, you don't need them they don't give you any real plot development at all besides finding those stupid orbs and a lot of the time you'll beat a mission and they'll give you a side quest for like to do or side mission to do and the side mission is for like an equipment level five levels below what you currently are. So the the enemies are super easy. You can blow through the mission in two minutes and you're not getting anything out of it because the gear they're going to give you is worse than what you already have. But if you're a completionist, you're going to have to do it. And I just think that's, that's kind of dumb. Um, but that being said, again, sounds like I'm shitting on the game. The combat system saves this game in every respect. Also, the cutscenes are pretty fucking dope. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's like um, when you were a kid, or if you're my age, when you were a kid, and you would play through games pretty much just to get to the cutscene. Like, I would play through, like, with the, I honestly would start playing, like, Final Fantasy VII because I just wanted to see the next CG cutscene. And then the story kind of, like, roped me in with being good. But the beginning of that game was just me trying to get to the next cutscene. This game has that feeling where it's like you want to get to the next boss battle because you want to see how cool the fucking boss is that you're going to fight. And the bosses in this game are really fucking dope. The design of all the fiends, uh, it, it's amazing. Every boss battle, I've never gone into a boss battle in this game and been like, wow, that, that enemy design was really fucking stupid or that enemy design was really shitty. And... um the classic Final Fantasy enemies that you fight are really fun to fight and their designs are very faithful to the the games. And I think that plays a huge part in me actually liking the game. Like when I ran into a fucking Tonberry for the first time, I geeked out so hard. Like you have no fucking <laughs> idea. I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Tonberry. Is it going to be like, what's it going to drop for loot? He's going to be so powerful. Is, and then is fucking, it going to do the, the, yeah, the one tap knife stab? Oh yeah, like, he, he does. He does. He fucks your day up. Like, <laughs> like that's like the second thing that happened. I was uh, fighting him and he has this magic ability that stuns you and then can teleport over to you and stab you. And that was oh the one God. time that I wasn't even annoyed that I died. Cause I was like, that oh, was yeah, fucking amazing. Cause you amazing. know, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's this game has so much going for it and knowing what the storyline is, I'll probably have a new appreciation for it. It's just like, 
it's it's so close to greatness. The only other thing I would say this game would have definitely benefited from, and I know Team Ninja doesn't do this, so I'm not I can't really fault it for it. If this game had a more like open world design instead of a mission design. And yeah, agreed. I was able to see the outside of the buildings where it's like just endless fucking hallways. I might have actually it's beautiful given environments. a pass. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, one of the benefits of playing a Dark Souls game or a Souls-like is like you see a lot of areas and you're like, that area is cool. And then you get to go do it and you're like, that's fucking awesome. The fact that I was teleported inside an airship but never saw the outside of the airship, don't know where I was when I was even teleported into the airship, just like it takes something out of it like yeah going down a volcano to the bottom to like fight a crazy lava spewing fiend like is fucking dope but it loses something when you don't actually enter the volcano from the outside when you're just teleported into it it kind of loses its luster you know what i'm saying like yeah it would have, no, I totally get that. It would have just benefited so much more from that. Like if they would have cut out the mission design, and like the especially like because think about it, then you could get rid of the side missions because you don't fucking need them. They're they're just there to to fill time anyways, and make the you don't have to make the world huge because you don't. The other part is you don't know the world is big because you're just clicking on missions on a map. Like there is a mm-hmm. map and the missions are scattered throughout it, but you don't. You don't see where you're going. And, uh, and that makes it even worse than Neo's because the I got to mess around with the map and mission structure and all that in the demo for A Stranger of Paradise. But at least in Neo 2, like, remember when I said the the game is broken up into the different, like, eras almost? Yeah. Like, chunks of time. Every time you get to a new era, you're usually at a different part of Japan. So, like, the background map shifts a bit. Yeah. And things like that. And like your like your the hut you go to for like your character management is like different because you're moving and like even little things like that can make a mission based structure more interesting. But I hated how in Stranger of Paradise it was just like ah oh, here's a generic looking map and you just ping through the screen and pick a mission and that's it. Exactly. Even if they would have just showed, okay, this is gonna sound really really dumb, but it seems so lazy to me that like. They didn't even make the map look like just like a normal map. It's literally just a blue overlay with like outlines of continents on it. That's all it is. So when you're selecting areas on it, you don't know what environment you're going to. With the exception of the little fucking picture that it shows you in the mission briefing. And it just seems so fucking lazy. And I'm like, even if you're not going to give me the open world, because like I get it, I I get it team ninja your engine just doesn't do that shit it's like it's not designed for it totally understand it give me something that like enhances the atmosphere of the game tells me like at least shows me where i'm going and i could be like oh that area looks cool i can't wait to go there instead it's like I fucking click on a mission and i'm looking and i'm squinting at a goddamn thumbnail to see like what possible area i'm going to next 
And then once I get in there, I, I don't even get to see it from the outside. It just spawns you inside of it. It's just lazy. It's just like, I, I know it's, I know they didn't half ass it. It had to have been a, a time constraint thing, but it just, it just feels so fucking lazy. And this combat dis- system deserves better. It's one of those things that's like, when you imagine what could have been, what you have seems so much more disappointing. And it well, makes me... It's, 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 it's a mix of that. And I think it's also... The bad parts of a game always seem worse when there's something exceptional about it. Yes. I, I totally because agree. Because you, you're you're always kind of wondering if they could do this one thing so well, why are these other aspects so lacking? Yeah. The, like the and combat's so good. It deserves better. Exactly. And that makes that makes the the lows like like a good example like you've already just said with the combat. A phenomenal, interesting, engaging combat system. But everything else to get into that good combat system, whether it's uh, UI, mission select, whatever it might be, feels dry and weak. And you're just like, instead of living for that next CG cutscene, like you were saying about Final Fantasy VII, you're living for that next moment of combat. Yeah. It's, it, I was looking forward to every single boss battle. Because I knew it was going to be something new and engaging, and I'd be able to use the best aspects of the game. Um, even when I was getting my shit kicked in by some of these bosses, like there was one one fiend that was like um, I forgot which one it was, but he was he was essentially like one shot killed me every single time he caught me. Even the shit like that was still like fun because the combat system gave me the tools to get around it. I just had to like put the puzzle pieces together. And it was it was just one of those things where I was like, oh I died again. What can I do? What what can I change in my party to to make this battle go more in my favor? What tweaks can I make to the the job I'm using? Like what what abilities can I add or take away to make this boss go down a little bit easier? It was just uh it, it's a really good puzzle mechanic built into a combat system and it pains me in my core to know that it's like kind of wasted on a game that just it just feels like the rest of it was rushed yeah no i just man they're really you've just got me thinking kind of bigger picture now in general with games there's nothing more disappointing than just that the one good phenomenal core part of the game and everything around it just being Meh. Yeah, I was, I was uh, talking to someone at work the other day, and I was—it's weird, but it it correlates. I was talking to them about Silent Hill Two remake, and I was saying like it sucks if this is gonna be a bad remake because you're not gonna get another shot at it. Like the odds of Konami going back and being like, oh man, you know what? The the first time we remade this game, it didn't work. Let's do it again is oh, very, yeah. very no. slim. In the same I don't think there's ever been a company that's gone to re-release a game multiple times. Yeah. Oh, well, with the exception of The Last of Us, but that game is good and they just they they'll fucking probably remake that game again. But Yeah. It's if it keeps printing money, they will. Yeah. But looking at this game, it's like you're never gonna see the you, 
if I ever see this combat system in another game again, like this exact combat system, the way the job system works, the way the, the enemies were staggered, like like all the best beats in this in another game, I'll be absolutely shocked. But it's like, I probably won't. Like this is what they put it into, like where some of the levels are just fucking bland and boring and there's very little context to why you're there to begin with. And the storyline's good, just not told as well as it should have been. Like it's all these things where it's like just shy of being a fucking amazing game and you're we're never gonna get that amazing game that it could have been, you know? Oh man. No, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm thinking about a lot. That's why I'm like all of a sudden being quiet. Like just a lot of a lot of food for thought on the big picture of uh I guess game design in general, you know? Yeah. A lot of people don't think about that. Like there there are aspects of games that are really great that are shoved into shitty games sometimes and we'll never see we'll like never see what the potential of that game really was, you know? Um Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So with with that being said, I think we've we've covered both games pretty adequately. What do you think? Uh no, I I think for a part one, because I definitely feel like this can be revisited when we've uh, played the games more into completion and respectively each I guess each other's game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm definitely gonna go back and play Neo Two after this. Like I I, I have it and like just chilling on my shelf as one of those games I've gotten halfway through and never completed. Yeah. No. So, um, yeah, no, I think for, at least for a part one, I think this is good. Uh, definitely short and sweet by the standards that we've set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Considering we're, we're a little, we're a little bit over an hour and a half instead of the, like the three that it typically goes for. Yeah. Especially with Skyrim. Skyrim was a, whew, Skyrim was a big boy. Whew, boy. A chunky boy. And, we can even still do another two videos on it at least. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we can, uh, we can end it here and, um, hopefully we'll get to revisit these games. Give it, give it time. Let everything digest, go and play the respective, you know, the other side of the fence as it were. And, uh, yeah. come back and see if our opinions have changed based on that. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be it. Um, do you want to say anything to the people listening before we go? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have I don't have shit going on. So I said this before in my first one, but support the hell out of Dave for setting all this up and everything. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the, the piece it. I say the piece I would say I say for you. <laughs> Thank you, and uh, thanks for uh, those of you listening. Um, it's good to be back doing this after the, you know, the long break before the new year where I had lost my voice for like two or three weeks. So, I'm, Oh my I'm, God. Yeah, dude, I remember that was really scary. Cause you were just like, yeah, over the course of the eight hours, I lost my voice. Yeah. It, I was like, we had a, a podcast scheduled and everything. And I was like, I literally don't have a voice to do it. And it was gone for quite a while. So, um, it's good to be back doing this and it's good that we're, it's funny because uh, I was talking to Logan today and his girlfriend actually wants to do um, a Skyrim podcast because like, she's like, I'm sure Logan did not touch on half of the stuff that she told him to because she did give him a list. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, we, we barely got to even go into that list if we even did it all. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think 
a return to Skyrim in you know PSO when it inevitably happens. Oh yeah, those are going to be two massive, very multi-part podcasts. I feel. Yeah, and I'm excited for whether it's roundtable or one-on-ones. Like it's those are going to be hefty. Yeah, uh, I'm really excited for everything that that is com- like inevitably coming up. the The Fantasy Star Online uh, one is going to be huge. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of both. If we can get everybody together to do a a multiple person chat. Uh, I'll do that. And if not, I will hunt everybody down for a time to do them individually. Because if, if, if people are like me, I can talk about fantasy star online for hours and all the shit that I did in that game and all the memories I have. So literally my favorite game of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't really, I, I, I can't, even though there are games that do some of the things it did better. I just, it holds a huge place for me. Yeah. I agree. It, it was like that Diablo 2 and that game were a significant portion of my gaming in my like late high school years. So I'm really excited to, to talk about those games. Um, but yeah, uh, for those of you listening, like we got tons of shit coming up. Tons of shit. I don't know if this is going to be a, like if I'm going to be releasing these weekly based on like how long it takes to edit um but i am doing my best to get these things recorded get them out there uh giving you guys content so please if you're whatever you're listening to us on or if you're watching this on youtube please follow subscribe um and just come hang out like i i have yet to get comments from anybody that listens even though i know there are people that are listening outside of this circle of people that that keep coming on the podcast um reach out comment on something comment on the video like find it on youtube it's extraordinary games uh you can leave us a review on spotify on itunes i will read everything and if you really want to like directly comment to me or send me a dm i'm on twitter as well and instagram extraordinary games i think um I'm going to post those links in the description below because I don't know the exact thing for it, but you'll be able to find me. Trust me. Um, and, and and don't think that us as the guests are exempt either because, you know, we are kind of the, you know, it, it's not just you. It's, you know, we're, we are here as your friends to also talk. So if, you know, you've got critiques on us and our behavior, you know, I'm at least open to it. Yeah. Like, you know. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, we will definitely take whatever you say to heart. Um, if you have any suggestions too for stuff that that you might want to hear, please let us know. Um, uh, any and all feedback is appreciated. Uh, but that's where we're gonna leave it. And uh, I hope to to have you come and listen to us again next week. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>